Hey, welcome to Three Boys in a Bar, your weekly film and whiskey review podcast. Join Marco, Tom and me, Will, each week as we review a movie and a delicious whiskey. You can follow us on Instagram at Three Boys in a Bar or send us your very own whiskey and film recommendations to threeboysinabar at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review on whatever podcast streaming platform you are listening to us on. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome, welcome everybody to Three Boys in a Bar. It's been a long time <laughs> between drinks. It's like we've right. forgotten how to speak. <laughs> yes, it's been a long time between drinks. I can't believe that what was once weekly has uh, blown out, unfortunately, to, what is it, I think about three weeks we've uh, been waylaid. Boss level was that left that much of a foul taste in our mouths <laughs> that we uh, we couldn't uh, just bring ourselves to uh, to continue. We but had to um, seek forgiveness and do uh, forty days of penance in the in the <laughs> desert to absolve ourselves of our sins. But ha- but how are we, boys? I mean, it's just nice to be back here. It's so good to be back. Look, I think what happened was we saw boss level, and then you know life gets in the way. We're we we all have jobs and other occupations. We all sort of did our own thing for a little bit, but it's really good to be back. I can't tell you how amazing it is, the auditory auditory sensation you get when you listen to three men <laughs> ruminating <laughs> over cinema and whiskey. It is a great feeling. Well, especially so to be back. Especially when they sound as good as you. Thank you. <laughs> Will, what yeah. about yourself? How have you uh, spent your three-week hiatus? How have I spent it? I haven't as watched as many films as I would have liked to, even though things I feel are coming out at a far quicker pace than what they've done for like the last six months. So obviously cinemas here are open, but streaming services everywhere seem to be pumping them out at the moment. Every email I get from IMDb or Netflix has just a catalogue of thousands of new films. So struggling to keep up. But no, I I went away. I managed to hop on a plane for the first time in years it feels like and get over to the west so we're pretty lucky in australia to be able to at least do a little bit of traveling and uh, i got some family over there so yeah uh what i did watch while i was i was on the plane was brooklyn 99 i'm a sucker for andy sandberg's <laughs> comedy and uh i've watched all, all of the seasons it is pretty good so especially after you raved to us over palm springs which is something we didn't get the opportunity to review on the show just because of the sheer backlog but i watched it fairly recently i think we spoke about it at in boss level and it was just Mm. Andy Samberg always has my vote. Yeah, he's very good. And I I don't know if he comes from a uh, stand-up comedy background, but I think what he does with those kinds of characters is, um, yeah, there's a similar flavour, but he's great at the delivery of it. So I've always always enjoyed watching him. Yes, well, we're, unfortunately, we're not here to reminisce about Palm Springs and uh, Andy Samberg. We, we are here and we've been brought back into the fold by little film by the name of Nomadland. So, Will, this was your choice for the week. Take us through what uh, what we watched. Yeah, so this week, Nomadland, which I think you would have to be living under a rock to have not at least heard, if not seen. So it's the Oscar-nominated, everything-nominated film written for the screen, directed and produced by Chloe Zhao, based on the book by Jessica Bruder. It is a wonderful film. I think all the accolades that are coming its way this year up against all the other films for the film festivals, it definitely holds its own. What I loved about this film is basically the premise is Fern is 
a late to middle-aged woman who has lost a job when the gypsum factory in Empire, Nevada goes out of business during the global financial crisis and it basically decimated the town. The town was the manufacturing centre for gypsum and as soon as that industry went, six months later the zip code uh, didn't exist. Then Fern's husband dies and basically she's left houseless as she describes and she enters the life of a nomad in a, so living out of a van and traversing the United States working odd jobs and integrating into the life of nomads so people who live on the road in vans in RV or trailer parks and it really gives us this snapshot of this whole other way of living so when you're not bedded down to a house and a mortgage and a job and it definitely doesn't shy away from how hard that choice is and how hard life on the road is. There's some really great scenes when the weather is, you know, devastatingly cold and she's got every blanket rugged up and still you can see her breath in the van. So uh, it covers that, but also what the lifestyle illuminates about how to live and, and the community and the characters that she meets along the way are stunning because it really paints this enormous portrait of not only the nomads but of America and and as she goes north to south, east to west, the film covers all these amazing characters and amazing adventures that she has even though it's a fairly contained adventure. It's not into the wild or anything like that. So I loved it. So Frances McDormand plays Fern and this film really follows her every move. It's shot by... Joshua James Richards and I think what I really enjoyed about the cinematography is it captures some of these amazing landscapes without it taking over or becoming a road trip film at no point did I feel like this was celebrating or trying to advertise the nomad way of life I thought it was painting a portrait of a woman at a particular time in her life and it's almost as if you fly in at a random moment in this journey of hers and you're with her for a little bit and then you leave again so it's this snapshot you see her on just a small part of her journey so I think the film is very reminiscent of that transient lifestyle that you're just with her for this little bit of time and then you move on and and the film is just that that small part of her life that said I think the overall narrative is really really well structured I haven't read the book but it's quite beautiful and for me, the standout was the music by Ludovico Inaldi, who also did The Untouchables, The Upside, This Is England. And for me, it painted the perfect backdrop to the whole tone and style of this film. So I think it's a wonderful, wonderful film. I think it's about a woman in a particular stage of her life that, once again, Frances McDormand is highlighting that we don't often see on screen. And it's saying some really interesting things about capitalism the way we almost accept that life has to be and she's really challenging that and at a age where it's very you might think that's more typical of a young person to hit the road and and uh, into the wild I think particularly highlighted that but you know this is a woman you know post 50 who through circumstances found a life here and she's really making it work poetic stark at times and a really riveting beautifully paced shot film Thanks, Will. Tom, what about your thoughts? Thanks, Will, um, and thanks, Marco. Look, I, I'm actually with I'm, I'm I'm Will. I totally agree with you. This was a this was a wonderful film to watch. I I, th- I think Joshua um, Joshua James Richards' cinematography is just brilliant. He 
the he captures the landscape so well. And I, I must say, it must have been a very tough shoot for this crew because how many times they were shooting at sunrise or sunset yeah. and trying to get those perfect shots oh. just when the sun is eclipsing the mountaintops in the distance. And I loved, I loved how they used the expansiveness of the land around them because... In my mind, this is this film is without trying to spoil anything. It's a it's an ironic film because we see her trials and tribulations when she's trying to to become accustomed to living this nomad life, as being Mrs. McDormand as Fern, the protagonist. But we also see how much she actually gets so much out of living this life, this completely different life, and the struggle that she has to decide whether or not she's willing to reintegrate back into a contemporary society or whether she just wants to live the rest of her life as a nomad. And it's just a fantastic sojourn into the life of somebody who is very, I think is a very, it's a very unfamiliar kind of character in cinema. Yeah. So it was a really yeah. great, it was a breath of fresh air for me. And you have to see this in a cinema. It's just, it's just wonderful to watch. I think Frances McDormand was excellent. She has this ability, this very subtle nuanced performance. You can see that she has, especially at the start of the film, you can see that she is quite overwhelmed and panicked, but she still is able to speak with composure and just deal with the problem as it comes along. And she's able to convey all of that in her scenes. And I just think that's incredible acting. A big shout out to David David Strathairn as Dave. And he's, yeah. he's a really interesting character. I won't go into it, but what he does, how he affects her and her deciding how she is to live her life. It's a really great character and very well written. Chloe Zhao, of course, directed, wrote and edited this film. Oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah. Think she, I think she... She's done an amazing job. I haven't seen the rider yet, but I've heard great things. I did like how she. Um, there's a slight. There's a small scene where uh, Fern is walking outside the cinema, and you've got the Avengers. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. of course Chloe Zhao is uh, shortly going to be directing an, a Marvel project very soon, which I thought was very nice. Um, sorry, just going back to the cinema. I thought the color scheme was excellent. Like the the the, the clothing that all the characters wear is very earthy. Brown, brown, greens, greys, greys, and they all sort of mimic or they sort of camouflage into the background landscape. It was really quite a, a really fascinating colour scheme that they chose. And I think the only other thing I would, would say is, well, I mean, you know, this is, this film is obviously, it's won the Golden Lion at Venice. It was a People's Choice Award winner at TIFF, Best Picture winner in the Golden Globes. It's got a string of Oscars that it's been nominated for. So, I mean, I'm really glad that we've had the opportunity to review one one Oscar movie before before those awards happen, but um, I think this was a really a really great film. It was literally, as you say, it was it was just enjoyable to have a couple of hours away in the life of somebody living a very different life. It was a beautifully shot film, um, and I I really enjoyed it. Marco, well, I, I feel like I'm going to be the devil's advocate here in a way because I I don't want to lord its praises as highly as you guys. I well I I can't say that I enjoyed the film. I can't say I hated it either. It was very, it was sullenly beautiful, I found. It was sort of left a weird melancholic kind of feeling for me. And I thought that was quite pervasive throughout the whole thing. I mean, maybe that's just because of how I see like the ideals of the nomad lifestyle and that's my personal sort of perception of how it's portrayed. But it was sort of slow and pondering and beautiful to watch. I mean, there's no, nothing wrong with performances, cinematography or anything, but it just has left me kind of numb. I don't know why. I still have to sort of unpack these feelings that I mm-hmm. have towards the film, um, which is probably why I shouldn't watch them just before we start <laughs> podcasting in future. 
Yeah, the one thing I thought was interesting is that you really loved the score because I really hated it. I thought that it was self-righteous, pretentious and forcing an emotion onto you which far too obviously. The music itself was beautiful. In a vacuum, absolutely beautiful. But in the context, I thought it was just, it was like a ham-fisted attempt at telling you how you're supposed to feel rather than giving you giving you an idea rather than shoving it down your throat. Like that melancholia, that's like a little bit of wanderlust, that sort of thing. Like those feelings I would have thought should come from everything else not being rammed down your throat by this score that periodically comes in and comes out. And yeah, one thing I actually really did enjoy were the Shakespeare references though. I thought that, yeah. that was a really beautiful... That's on it. It was Thank a you. really beautiful touch and like the fact that she taught the girl, the daughter of the friend that she was looking after, like taught her tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and all my yesterdays. Those little inter- interjections of like this beautiful poetry into what was you know, quite an earthy and of the land and one would almost like an unrefined kind of character and setting and then that juxtaposing with obvious education and that sort of thing. So these people are not, like they're not just homeless because they've made bad decisions. Like this is actually an absolute choice of lifestyle. But it is interesting I found towards the end of the film as to why some of the, the reasons why some of these nomads are nomads and I, the way that I sort of felt is that they're all running from something. They're all nomads because they don't want to face a particular thing. For Fern, it's very obviously the complete decimation of her life, starting with you know losing, losing her job, her husband losing her job, losing her township and then losing her husband himself. Her going on the road after that is absolutely her running away from that initially. Well, because she always had the opportunity to go stay with her sister. So I think... Absolutely. Um, and they obviously explore that yeah, through those moments um, where she does go and stay with them. But there's definitely a choice that Fern is making about, despite how the hardships um, have occurred and financially what that clearly means, she could live in a house and, and follow that route if she, if she did want to. Absolutely. And I thought the, there's a little bit of irony right in mm. one of the final scenes which I'm not going to spoil because it is so perfect, but it's the letting go of, of the past in a way that untethers. Yeah. And, no, I, and I think that that's, that was quite poignant. And I think that that's part of the reason why I feel really quite strange about this film is because it has some brilliant moments of catharsis and like just release. But I, yeah, I, I think she's really conflicted. Yeah, she's really conflicted about going back to a life, or I mean, there's no life for her to go back to, but embracing that life like her sisters again, and and that's what going and staying with Dave and Dave's family really is confronting for her, and seeing that and the pull of that. But she's made this decision to live a nomad life, and what does she do? Does she continue? Does she not? And that's why it feels very much like a film of a visitation that she may end up settling down somewhere mm. or dying on the road like one of the other nomads does. So I jumped in though, but you were wrapping up your final, your sort of... No, uh, please jump in because my thoughts are still sort of a, a muddy muddy mess. mess for this film. There is definitely something about the endlessness. There's an infinitesimal quality to this film. This uh, like I, I think that's why the, la- the the choice of landscapes in this film is so, is so brilliant because... At the start of the film, you're made to feel like 
she's insignificant and she's in this big world and you've got these big backdrops and it's just she's in the middle of nowhere and she's got nowhere to go. And then you realise in some way, though, that this is act that rather than sort of focusing on the endlessness of the landscape behind her, it's actually got in its own way some cathartic quality to it. That is how she actually defines her place in it. And that is the beauty of filmmaking, when you're able to tell complex stories just by images alone. Yeah. Mm. And you were right. I'd forgotten because I saw it a couple of weeks ago, but those sunsets and sunrises, so many scenes have this quality to them which for me really mirrors that road trip or that part of the story that it's about, you know, leaving in the morning or the start of a journey or the end of the journey. So it feels really symbolic. So how, how so much they use those scenes of the sunrise and sunset as, as part of that. Oh, it's, um, it's absolutely a, like transition, transitory mm. quality, which is what this film is all about. It's about not putting down roots, but sort of making roots while never stopping. Yeah. Mm. I always find it interesting. Either I love a film more or I hate it more when I talk about it with you guys after I get to process these ideas. Like, I think I hated Boss Level more after I talked with you guys about it. I don't know. You were doing a lot of huffing and puffing in the cinema. (laughs) Okay, yeah. That's fair. But, yeah, just actually hearing your thoughts on the films and, you know, I think it's slightly colouring my opinion, which is a good thing. Well, I also want to say I think Frances McDormand is beautiful so because she's so like i mean she's on screen in every scene that's not a landscape shot she's beautiful and that quality that she has as an actress she looks uh, uh, she uh, is unusual looking in one sense and but she's so beautiful you know she's got this really short haircut she's you know you definitely see all Almost like she's going through it without makeup on. I mean, there's probably some in there, but it looks very... She, Yeah, Frances McDormand is not afraid to play these very... I just thought she was so beautiful in her rawness. It's raw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, said. well her, said. Her performance was spectacular in this because it's... You believe. Like, I would absolutely believe that she is firm. Like, without a shadow of a doubt. That's rare, I think, especially in heavily scripted, mm. big-budget sort of films. I think the film itself lends it to that sort of authenticity, which, you know, what, what was the film that was all bullshitting authenticity? What, which was that one? A Malcolm and Marie. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it really does have this quality to it that you appreciate who she is as a person, not just as a character. And it's really interesting, like, I first saw her in Fargo and more recently Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. She's kind of made a name for herself of playing these women in these really remote or unusual outdoor settings. Like, she's shooting, I'm sure there was another film that I was like, ah. Yeah, and it's just interesting that she's portraying these women in these rural kind of stark settings. I don't think there's anything more to it than that, just... Yeah, and I, I think as well, just personality of Fern is lovely. It is really, like, she really brings out all of the qualities. Like, you've got, I mean, she's very reserved. She can also be very bubbly when she wants to be. She can also be very abrupt when she wants to be. And it's particularly when she's around David that she she clearly has some feelings, but she's also very reserved about them. And, like, you know, just the way she is, the way she sort of abruptly says goodbye when she leaves and mm. things like that. Like, it's a, it's a very, she's a very socially awkward person. But at the same time, she still exudes all these other qualities about her that make her an immensely attractive person. And I agree with you. Well, she's mm. just, 
excellent performance. Mm. Great, great person to just like that she that she embodies this this um fascinating character who we spent two hours with. Yeah, and who I imagine is just still out there on the road somewhere. You know? mm. Well, you know, if mm. if well, Fox Searchlight is now owned by Disney, they'll want to make a franchise out of this at some stage. <laughs> Are you trying to say that Fern is a Disney princess? <laughs> no Madland to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> See you down the road, down the road. <laughs> I think that's a very good time to uh, introduce our whiskey, which we should have um, mentioned at the very start. But Tom, what have you brought for us and what have we been drinking? Okay, boys, no bullshit. Let's drink up. We're drinking today the Darwinie 15-year Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. Slightly smoky, got a beautiful golden complexion in colour. This is a finely balanced drop, in my opinion. Slightly smoky at the start, but it's got a beautiful honey, multi quality to it. What do you guys think? Very well said, Tom. I will say that was that was quite beautiful. I'm cutting straight to the bullshit. Uh, like cutting the bullshit here. It's time kind of, that we drink. No, no, I think you got it right the first time. It's cutting straight to the bullshit. <laughs> it's a bit like the film. There was no fat in the film. Like it was stark. Mm. Like there was no. So, Tom's in the spirit of the film. He's channeling his inner fern. Look, if I was if I was a nomad driving around Australia, I would make sure I had this in my in my caravan. Well, I think because uh, purely by virtue of volume, whiskey is going to do far better than wine or beer, right? You get more out of a bottle of whiskey than out of a wine or beer. So exactly. But uh, but speaking of, what would you name your vans? Good one. Just a little segue there while we think about our whiskey. A little a bit detour. More. Off the highway. Just another stop along the way. I think it would have to be Van Gogh for me. Oh, <laughs> like the pun. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, I was <laughs> 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 no, I was going to be very um, unoriginal. I was going to call it something like... Um, Jeffrey? I know the flying hawk or something. <laughs> oh, hearkening to his love of the Hawthorne Football Club. Yes, go Hawks. You're doing, <laughs> you're going, you're doing great this year. Well, so whiskey. While, whiskey. We, while we think about that now, think about it. <laughs> it's beautiful on the nose. Not too sharp, especially after a little bit of airing that we've had with the bottle. Described on the bottle as the gentle spirit. Much like Fern. Mm-hmm. This, you could not have picked a more apt whiskey for the, for the film. Thank you. I've had a bottle of this on my shelf for a long time. It's such a good, solid. Mm. Yeah. You do get that honeyness, but it's it's not a overpowering like it's not actually a sweet whiskey, but it just has that little bit of yeah, just like diluted honey as it goes over your tongue. It's fantastic. This is in- incredibly drinkable, Tom. You, you've done well. Mm. Well, it's on. It's, it's very finely balanced. Um, it's I got this on discount. You totally should go and get one. And where is it? Uh, where is it discounted, Tom? Oh, I got this at Vintage Sellers. Yeah, still, I think the best purveyors of or liquor, whiskey, from a liquor store that sells, you know, that's not a specialty whiskey store. They always have the best selection, I think. Mm. Agreed. And especially seeing as we're, we've uh, consumed quite a number of bottles over the last year and a half, where uh, it's nice to still be able to find something special. So, gentlemen, final thoughts on van names. I think we'll go that first. I'd call it Vandemonium. Will? <laughs> oh, I want something really good. Maybe we should have discussed this before yeah, the show. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> because I want it to be amazing. Of course. Um, maybe I'd just call it Van Morrison. <laughs> I think I'd call it Clyde after all that. I don't Clyde. know why. It's just, it speaks to yeah. me. 
I would, yeah, I think it's like a ship. It's got to be a female name, right? It does. Yeah. It should. Um, you know, like I'm just, it's a she, I'm right? just sleeping inside Clyde. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, whatever floats your boat. If, you know, there's no uh, judgment here. We're very inclusive on this podcast. Absolutely. We fly the rainbow flag. Um, <laughs> well, on, on that note, we uh, <laughs> final thoughts on Nomadland. Let's start with Tom. Thanks, Marco. Look, um, I think this was I think this was a really great film. It's a uh, it's definitely not it's definitely not like other movies that you see. It doesn't. I wouldn't say it necessarily has a plot, but it's just an experience, a rare visual experience that you have to see in a cinema. So I'm going to give this a four. Thank you, Tom. The thing that I've come to realize, especially after what you just said, Tom, is that this is not a normal film because it is an American film that feels more like like a French film where nothing actually happens and you just follow the character's life. Like you said, no, there's no plot, there's no story, there's no real major dramatic arcs. I mean, like, she doesn't crash, she doesn't, like, there's no sort of massive dramatic... She has to plot. change a tyre. Yeah. It's pretty dramatic. That's the thing about it, though. Like, the, the just, like, the little things that you have to deal with, but because of her situation, it's immensely yeah. trying. Like, like her being able told she's not able to park there. Like it's like mm. Oh. Mm. oh and even like the lessons that she has at the start, like how do you how do you stealthily park yeah. without getting <laughs> yeah, um, make it seem like you've got a flat and tire and <laughs> which is what I assume they were doing when she punches a hole in the tire. Yeah. Um anyway, as I was saying, yeah, the the this film was not my favourite film of all time, but it has Certainly left a mark that I will be thinking about for a while. Um, so I think I have to give it a three. It was probably brought down quite a lot by the score, to be honest. I think that's, that's yeah, it was very, very heavy. I didn't like, didn't like how heavy the message was. Will. <laughs> I feel like I want to unpack that psychologically, like why you don't like the score, but you can just not like the score. That's fine. This I is, this, loved is, it. this is not my therapy session, Will. No, I, I'm aware of that. That's a, that's our other podcast. Three <laughs> boys talk shit. <laughs> I think that's very much this <laughs> podcast as well. Um, <laughs> at least this has a purpose and intention. I'm going with Tom. I'm giving it a four. See it. That's all I'm going to say. I do think it's worth a watch, even if it's not your type of film. I think that's probably the most important thing out of this because this is not my type of film and I still... I think some people might find it a hard watch because while a lot happens, you could argue not much happens and you have to sit in the stillness of that and not everyone finds those sorts of films comfortable. Why are you looking at me, Will? <laughs> Don't know. It's just, as I said, it's not your therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us this week. Finally back on Three Boys in a Bar. And next week... Tom, what have you chosen for us? Um, so we've seen it. We've seen a very. We've seen. We've had a. It, it's been a beautiful two-hour sojourn into the life of a a woman who is homeless, and it's a. It was a. It's a, in, a, in a very sort of high-quality film that deserves its nominations at this year's Oscars. Um, so now I thought we would change tack and just watch a movie where we just sit back and watch U.S. soldiers blowing shit up. So next week we're going to watch Godzilla vs Kong, and I believe. This film was actually made. Also, it's a this film, like a Godzilla vs Kong movie, was made back in nineteen sixty one or something like that. Mm -hmm. So 
anyway, I'm looking forward to seeing a big, uh, big blockbuster action movie next week, boys. Mm. Thank you, Tom. We all look forward to seeing massive kaiju fight. <laughs> There's a definite left turn from what we just watched. <laughs> but uh, thanks again, boys, for joining me here. This is uh, this has been great. It's good been to see everyone. Good I think uh, we need to get a few more under our belts before we're back in the flow. Yeah. I'm speaking only for me. But good, uh, good to get back behind the wheel. Definitely uh, a little bit rusty. But um, <laughs> you, can, you can always join the conversation on Instagram. We are three boys in a bar. That's the number three boys in a bar. Or you can drop us an email have some whiskey recommendations for us film recommendations for us or if you know you just disagree with us or you love what we do um at three boys in a bar at gmail.com again with the number three once again thank you very much boys and we will catch you next week catch you next week see you then